back to another episode of the Comic Book Legion podcast. Of course, I'm your host Clay with another. You know, oh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking of my new podcast, talking about a different co-host. But no, with my regular co-host. <laughs> well, on this show, yeah, I'm regular. Yeah. <laughs> was, hey, hey. I'm these these slip ups are okay you, when you host about seventeen shows. You, you know, yeah, exactly. And then you even told me to like stop when I, I, I was like, it was super late at night, and I was like, oh man, I have another idea for a podcast. And you just replied with a gif with somebody like pointing at a stop sign. I'm just looking. That was you, that. That was funny. But yeah, Mark, how are you doing today, man? I am happy on this Saturday morning being able to just talk about comics. Yes, that's um. I mean, that's just, I mean, this has been a, it's been a long week. Everyone knows what's going on. We yep. literally got the announcement maybe 28 yep. seconds before we started recording in regard yeah. to now Joe Biden being president. So, yep. I mean, like between those, I guess, like, I guess it's been kind of known for a bit, but just between like those emotions, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to know that, all right, we have in a sense closure. And I hope that everybody, like, be careful, you know, stay safe out there. We don't know how things are going to be, but just, yes. you know, just. I can, I can, I can breathe. Uh, I was yeah. just telling you off the air that I think it was the night of the election. I watched, or election day going on into the morning, I watched like 15 hours of news. Like, I was somehow able to get away with hiding my phone. Uh, during work with my Bluetooth headset and just listening to it and watching it when I could mm-hmm. my entire shift at work. So eight hours straight at work. And then uh, I was listening to it in the car while I was driving home, got to my room and watched it all the way until I basically just fell asleep watching it. Uh, so about 16 hours. And I have not really like been able to think straight because of all of that. Uh, but now like you said, closure, I can breathe, we're good. Now, this week is very different when it comes to the Comic Book Legion podcast. <laughs> because, well, when uh, when you went off on your vacation, uh, there was a really big book that came out. And I decided that I wasn't going to review it on my own. Well, even, it was before then, I think. No, 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 it was that week, but we had said... Wait, wait, no, no, no. Sorry. Excuse me. It was the week that we had Kevin, Kevin on for, for Future on, State. And we were going to talk about it. But then we ran out of time. And I didn't want to review it on my own when you were out on vacation. Uh, so now we are finally fulfilling that promise because of Raphael on Twitter. Yes. And uh, shout out to Raphael at Rafa251097. He kind of, he reached out to us after we posted last week's Three Jokers yeah. um, episode. And you should check out that was a, that was a good episode because Clay was totally wrong on everything that he thought about on that book. <laughs> uh, and and we yeah, he, he reached out to us. He was like, hey, he you know dug the episode and then he asked us in regards to hey, we mentioned we were gonna talk about Rorschach. And then I'm like, crap. And then that's when I think everybody that listens to this show knows that we try to have a structure in place, but Clay and I both run on tangents. So, you know, time yes. management, it sucks, but I mean, we kind of just try to do that so we're not forced to anything. Let's just let's let the show just be organic. And 
as I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys have noticed already, we don't edit like these shows to try to sound perfect. So we figured if it sucks, then it's just funny. And if it's good, then it's good. But yeah, you I know, think that, that, way people that mess up in the very beginning, I'm going to keep that in there. Like, yeah, I'm just going like, to. Who cares? We, we try to keep this as natural as possible. Um, I do, you know, edit the episode immediately after we do this and post it uh, because I want it out there as soon as possible. Uh, we know we I know we record these late enough already compared to when the books drop and I know that you guys love to listen to it so yes so uh, thanks Raphael for that but yeah we're gonna we're gonna jump into and we're we're diving into Rorschach number one now would you say based on hype in regards to I don't want to say Doomsday because Doomsday Clock kind of had, you know, like big picture ramifications. Uh, but would you put this book on the on the hype levels of, let's say, Heroes in Crisis, um, kind of like what maybe Three Jokers is? I, think I would the say were there? I don't think the levels were there because as far as Three Jokers, as far as Heroes in Crisis, we had a very large... I guess, gap between knowing and then the release. This, we had the usual two months that were just like, boom, previews were out. We're going to announce it. Here you go. You have Rorschach coming. And because of 2020, to be completely honest, um, it seemed like from, from the announcement to when we got the book was really short. Like, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of time between. I, I agree. I agree. So, you know, eventually it just showed up in our folder. We read it. And I was excited for it, but I don't think there was that amount of hype for it. Okay. I, I, I can see that. But I, I do have to say, after revisiting, because this is a, a comic for those who have read it that's just filled in mystery. Yes. Not much is done. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's a very Tom King thing to do, which is to kind of create a mystery. And now he's going to kind of play around in that in his little sandbox like he does to create the tension and, and just shroud everything in mystery. So but I will say that after revisiting and especially revisiting this week. This I feel like DC messed up when they released this book. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I, I just feel like, man, this seems so much more relevant today than what it did three weeks ago. Now, I yes. guess, you know, like, <laughs> because this, this feels like more something along the lines of what you will probably be experiencing today, maybe later this evening mm-hmm. on the news, rather than, you know, like the debacle of like a debate. And in regards to yeah. who we are with a mysterious individual dressed up in a Rorschach, um, like in the Rorschach getup, and he's getting ready to plan an assassination on the president. And lo and behold, the Secret Service ends up assassinating him and killing him. And there was, as we see later on, there is a female that's also accompanying him. And then that's kind of like, there's the mystery. Why? What's going on? And now it's kind of like where you're getting the the Tom King, which is the moments that I really enjoy, which are like the conversations between this detective and the coroner. And they're kind of talking and trying to figure out what are his motives. Yeah. And I, I love that type of storytelling. I love this, this storytelling. Um, 
I, I have to say up front, I love George Fornes, but when later revealed that this kind of feels like a very 60s, 70s crime mystery, it kind of throws me off the way everything looks that this is set in modern this time. Set, this is set in modern time, and not only is it set in modern time, if you heard that, that was actually me opening my Sprite bottle. Sorry about that. <laughs> um not only is it set in modern time, this is set in the same universe as the TV show. If you yes, did not there notice was, that. And there was actually a... Uh, was it when they mentioned Wyoming? I feel like it was when they mentioned... A, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Yes, when they mm-hmm. mentioned Oklahoma, I was like, okay. That immediately kind of sets it together. So there, there's a little bit of a... I understand that this is Fornes's art style. But even with hairstyles and when you're looking at the – I don't even think they ever mentioned the detective's name, uh, which I feel like might be more of a mystery in it of itself. Like, who is this guy? Because yeah. we only really know that he's a detective. I mean, when you see his hairstyle, his hairstyle shows 70s. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the really fun thing about Watchmen because it has this, like, timeless feel but not necessarily timeless story. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw that in both Zack Snyder's movie and in the uh, Lindelof TV show. Yep. And so having King put that in here with Fornes' art was great. Because Fornes has that really nice... Emo- like... You would almost only see it in indie books that just like old school feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I see this, and I mean, I know everyone compares it, but man, it, it just reminds me of a modern version with modern art techniques of Mazzuccelli. Like if I'm reading Batman yes. Year One, mm-hmm. you know, like yes, that, that's that's what I feel, and I love that. I mean, that's I think, I think and, I, and I think he, one of the reasons I, why that happens. I mean, this is I, I've been to many cons where Tom King is there, and I've gone to panels. And he always says that if there's one comic that he will recommend, if they say, what is it that I should read first to get into comics? He always says Batman, you're one. You're one. Yeah, that's like the Mm -hmm. quintessential Batman story in his opinion on which you should read and then branch out after that. And it always bothers me because at cons, he did say that he had he has his own list of like 200 books or stories that he recommends that anybody should begin their comic book reading. And I've tagged them in it. I mean, I haven't done it recently, but I would love to know like what his, what's his list that he would recommend like new readers or that any reader that's a a lover of this medium to dive into. I would be interested in knowing it as well. Um, And I think that even in an interview recently, whenever he was talking about Rorschach, that, uh, when he pitched this book and he pitched it with Fornes, DC apparently said, well, he looks too much like Mazzuccelli. And he was like, yeah, that's the point. Like, yeah, like he there. And, you know, you can say the same thing with uh, other artists as well. They kind of whether it be because they are mentors of one another or whatnot, students of one another, whatnot. Um, you know, what's his name who is doing, um, Wolverine right now. He did a little bit of Aquaman. He has the same kind of art style as Capullo 
and we've said it before. Oh, Vic, uh, Vic Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich? Yes. yes. Bogdanovich, yes. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, oh, that looks like Capullo's art. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, they have the same kind of stitching, the same kind of shading, things like that. Mm-hmm. And this, I just, I love this art. I really, really do. Like, to the to the point of, like, just the first few panels. The very first few panels you see are the Rorschach getting shot. And... It's a great sequence. It is awesome. And like, even, it is, even him getting shot, like, I think it's the second panel, the one that has the bang, 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 bang. I love seeing how realistic it will be that, dude, you're getting shot and his body looks like it's flailing. Yeah. Like, it, it looks messed up instead of it just being, like, this perfectly, you know, choreographed, I'm still running and then I fall. No, like, it looks like his body is absorbing the hits and his body's flailing. But, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. But, like, even even with that, it's very subtle with, like, the the movement of the body, the uh, the gunshot wounds. Like, just small details like that work very well in this book. No, I agree. I so, 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 what do you think about Tom King in his, in like some of his interviews where he's mentioned? I mean, y- you'll be better at this. Which is uh, Strange Adventures is what's the inspiration? The 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 report. Uh, the Mueller report. The Mueller report. And what was uh what was Mister Miracle? Mister Miracle was the shoot, 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 shoot. Okay, um, it, it was a it, well. If you're thinking, if if it pops up in your head, but it was another um, political it, inspirationally was through something that went on during you know our lifetime, and he's just kind of using that as an inspiration. Well, in this case, he kind of I guess not really, but he he's using Steve, this character uh, William Marston as a I don't, I don't want to misrepresent it, but it was. Pretty much, what if Steve Ditko was a conservative? Am, am I am I getting that right? Uh, in the eyes, because he he kind of used Steve Ditko and like Alan Moore or Steve G- Ditko if he followed Anne Rand's, um, like yeah uh, yeah I would I would, I would say so yes yes yeah I, I I know it's like that I just don't know the word so just. Take what I'm saying as a paraphrase instead of a, a direct quote. And do you see that at least in this first issue? Yes. Now, are you taking that yes due to the – that you're kind of already seeing in regards to the discontent towards, like, authority? And kind of like a, that authoritarian um, – because there's definitely a – I want, I, I want to say, I guess you could say it's like a clash towards like that authoritarian dictatorship kind of mm-hmm. uh, feeling towards the leader of who this president would have like would be. Yes. And, you know, the 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 two people that were involved, this this man and this woman, um, you find a little bit more about their like their planning and things like that. And I mean. Yes, I mean. For me, I feel like I need a little bit more. I do have like yeah. this feeling of it, yes, but I need a little bit more so that way I don't just jump the gun on on something like that. But I would say 
that yes, this uh, I think what we were when discussing the uh, the Mister Miracle thing, I think it was the overall election of yeah, could be of Trump. That's what okay. it was. Um, but this, I think, his inspiration, and he hasn't said it yet, but I think is the is twenty twenty probably as a whole. Um, could be, but we we will see. What did you feel about the the story, or like, did you have this feeling of there's somebody on the inside? Not yet, just because I don't, I don't know anyone yet. It, it's See, like, since it's I, very I subtle. Like since, I, since I don't know any of the characters, it's and again, like we don't even know their names. I mean, besides this older gentleman Marson who was the one in who's like an 80 year old dressed up in the Rorschach um, costume you find out that he was also like a creator a long time ago and I think that's why we have that um, that um, that comparison that he's left but at the moment do I feel like there's something on the inside I mean I'm sure that there is but if you were to ask me who I mean maybe the corner but I, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't know but because there is a huge twist at the end well, there's this guy. Uh, is he the head? I can't remember who he is directly. Um, the dude with the mustache, the the older guy, uh, talking to our detective. Um, yes, I know the he, one. The one on the on the hospital bed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he. No, no, no. That's the officer. That's the officer in, in, later on. Uh, but the uh, this gentleman that he's talking to at the very beginning, after you see the flashback uh, to the to the gunshots of the Rorschach. Uh, you see how he was talking about how he got a phone call about. An oh, the dude that tip. looks like Gordon. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. You see him get a phone call and it's very ominous. He's very confused and he tells security, Hey, go do this. But, and then like you see him hesitate. He's like, Oh, never mind. Just do this. Like okay, I see it. Oh, that okay. made that made me be like thinking like the the scotch or something. Yeah. Okay. Like that made me uh kind of like hesitant on who should we trust. And when it comes to the theme of watchmen, that is something that always needs to be said. That always needs to be asked. Who can we trust? Agreed. That that's a and, good one. I I didn't even catch that. And you know I didn't even I honestly didn't even think about the corner. Uh so that's pretty, you know, good thinking as well. Yeah, uh, I mean I, I was immediately thinking him because I mean with the twist of, you know, what year is it? I mean, we know that Kovacs after getting blasted to smithereens by Manhattan in like the seventies, I mean it's been it's been quite a while and to know that this older gentleman had because then at the end, I mean, this Rorschach is dead. We then sooner or later see another Rorschach in, in, in the getup. And then we find out that this older gentleman has the fingerprints of Walter Kovacs. So like, how is Kovacs still a thing? It's just, it leads me to wonder, I don't know if we're going to be getting in, in the sense of kind of like what you saw with the comedian during doomsday clock mm -hmm. where something happened and he just left his time. And instead of falling, he landed into modern times, into the actual DCU. I don't know if when Manhattan actually blasted Kovacs, 
to smithereens was it really him just gone or did he just in this plane in this universe in this time did he just wipe him out of existence but now he's actually into i know it might not make sense because this is getting there are direct connections to to the story of Alan Moore and what Lindenoff has done. Yeah. So I know what I'm saying might not make sense, but, or maybe it was just like a teleporting, like, you know, your, your essence, your spirit is not here anymore. It's like, I've just moved your molecules to somewhere else. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, and here's the crazy thing about that. Okay. So we know that Moore's Watchmen was, Grounded when it came to Rorschach, grounded in all the sense of the words, except for Manhattan, right? And then Lindelof, same thing. Like, it was, like, deep, like, unfortunately, very realistic when it came to what that show was about, the history in it all. And I think Tom King's style of writing, if you love it or hate it, can work very well with how the storytelling was made in Moore's Watchmen and in Lindelof's Watchmen, the HBO Max series. Like, I think he will be able to play off very well because those moments when people think, oh, well, King's not making any sense. Well, you can kind of play around with that because this book is probably going to have some twists and turns that you will be able to play off of in just like a small little like oh this is the explanation and and honestly no one ever appreciates watchmen on the first read man ain't that the truth no i i i was one of them i was one of them reading reading, watching the first i was like my god this is i'm i'm so mad that i didn't keep my i don't i don't have my first copy of watchmen it was a really nice barnes and noble hardcover with a yeah yeah no i i had I never had it. It's just a buddy of mine. Let me borrow his trade. And then I was like, all right, you know what? I need to get it. So I did. I went to the Barnes and Noble and I got like that collector, the one that has like the hardback, kind of like the case. I own it digitally now, but I would, I would want to own it in uh, physical form. But yeah, no, I, I, my dad bought it for me for my birthday and I read it and I was like, I don't think I even finished it the first time around. I was like, I, I don't get this. This is, this is weird. I, and I think I was in very much that mood that I can sometimes get in with the art. I'm like, ah, I'm not digging this, you know, yeah. because at the time I was also reading uh, the DC Marvel crossover when that was still in print. Uh, I was reading Infinite Crisis, so I was getting spoiled with art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when reading Watchmen for the first time, I'm like, ah, this is nothing like I'm reading now. I'm not going to read it. But now. That 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 was me with a uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm getting uh, yeah. I'm getting into comics and I'm Jim Lee, I'm David Finch, mm-hmm. Art Bagley on like Ultimate Spider Man, and then it's like I'm reading I'm looking at George Perez in the '80s, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but then I read it, I'm like, oh man, now I appreciate. Now I'm like, okay, George Perez, the guy's a stud. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, same thing. I mean, my relationship with Watchmen, it was similar and we'll we'll jump on to to the next book because honestly, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's not much in the story. No, it's, no. It's I I do like I do like how this this individual that was uh you know, pretending to be Rorschach uh is also 
the comic book artist for the uh, for this pirate comic, mm-hmm. which is an homage yeah, to like this pilot or something pirate. Or yeah, something. which is an homage to, of course, the uh, uh, Black Seas, Black Sails, or whatever it was in the original Watchmen book. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Black Freight? But the... Black, the, yes, Black... yes. I, it's right. Freighter or Freight something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I, I know what you're talking about. But I do enjoy that. I think that is very, very cool. Um, and we will see what in the world that cliffhanger means. Because at first I didn't I didn't understand it. And then I asked some people around. I was yeah, like, is Tales it insinuating? Tales of, the Black, Tales of the Black Freighter. Yeah, the Black yes. Freighter. And if it's insinuating that the original Rorschach is still, in fact, alive, that's nuts. Um, and it kind of goes along with the idea that a lot of people have with books, which, I mean, it's purely a gatekeeper thought of should you touch something so sacred as insert book here? Uh, in this case, Watchmen. You know? Yeah, I mean, this... You know, Watchmen. I think Watchmen lost a little bit of its of its thing once it once you released like before Watchmen. You do before yeah, Watchmen. That's I true. think that kind of like lost a lot of its muster. And then, hey, Doomsday Clock is like, hey guys, can we not like keep on digging into this? And now you're getting this. I feel like now it's kind of whatever. I mean, I don't. I don't think Watchmen has that same look to people that it did 10 years ago when it was, you know, pretty close to the comic Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, so, I mean, again, I, I love it. I'm really curious to see what's, what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely, uh, not thrown off, but just completely confused. I'm like, what, what am I reading? Like, okay, what? but then I, I realized like, it's not so much about anything. It's rather more, like just f- start following like the subtle the subtle hints the subtle clues just keep pay attention to the themes because i think like that that's all you can really get from it because the story i feel like the twist at the very end is when you're going to start getting it but i mean king never he never gives you anything especially at the start so mm. definitely uh looking forward to it but let's uh we're going to kind of go like a past and present past and present here so we're going to be jumping into batman uh batman 102, which is a James Tynan. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were going to get it. <laughs> yeah, though, I, no, I actually forgot. I was because in my mind, I was like, man, how do you say this guy's name again? All right. So Tynan, and then you have Carlos Pagulian. Uh, I'm definitely going to butcher that one. That's not even by accident here. Uh, so, and then Carlos Deanda, we have that on art. It looks like Danny Mickey's doing some colors. Uh, Ghost maker no ghost hunter no ghost maker ghost maker clown hunter clown phaser it's you know ghost maker line of punches there's too many characters that tynan is creating that i'm i'm sorry i got thrown off here uh okay so we have here it looks like we have been introduced to wait wait what's his name again ghost maker yes jesus christ Okay, so good. I think he even yes, yes, he because he even says it. I am the ghost maker. Okay, I, ghost he's maker. Like, Do I look like a bat to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we get introduced to him 
very early. And I'm like, okay, so clearly this dude has a history with Bruce Wayne and Batman and Gotham. Now, what does he have a history with Batman? I think he only has a history with Bruce Wayne. But I think he knows who Bruce, he knows, but he knows, because I mean, well, at the very end, I mean, I guess we can talk about it based on, yeah, yeah. based on it. But okay, so at first, the way I'm thinking of it is it's Batman, Bruce Wayne, whatever. But to me, Batman, I'm like, all right, so these guys have met already. This is not going to be something along the lines of, okay, this is just a guy randomly being thrown in and we're supposed to care about who he is immediately. Mm-hmm. It looks like we'll be gonna we're gonna be learning a bit over the next several issues, a little bit of backstory on who Ghostmaker is. Uh, in that time, we are now introduced to again now Batman fighting. I want to say, man, what were they called again? The, the Grinners. Sm- the Grinners. Yeah, I the was Grinners. gonna say the Smileys. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's like the name of the club or something. Um, yes yes that's that's what it was yeah so you you have the grinners and it looks like these are just some guys that are still not over everything that was going on during joker war and they're still trying to you know get their ducks in a row because they based on what you're seeing here did you know it was oracle immediately with the green yeah like i assume that it was oracle um you know i'm i'm kind of glad that Tinian put in some sort of dialogue talking about how you know or why should i say uh batgirl is being oracle at the moment yeah and she states that like oh well you know Cass and stephanie are wearing the bat symbol so you know i still have a lot of things to think about and but one thing that i do not like about this intro is you know, you he takes down these these grinners. He goes into the smile bar, and everyone is dead. Everyone is dead, and he's like, "Oh, somebody's trying to send me a message." He sees this symbol on the wall, and this is where I'm going to get a little triggered. So I apologize. What that he the, immediately goes against what he said on the roof. Yes, like three every every thing that was about this run. Tynan said, I'm going to bring the Bat family back together. They're going to take care of Gotham together. They're going to take care of Joker together. They're going to be a family again. And immediately, immediately after Joker. I just took a a Twitter sabbatical. That's why (laughs) I really wanted to tweet this. I'm like, dude, are we seriously just... Just again, Batman's like, "No, I have to do this alone. This is personal." And I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" I, again, you guys know this. I do this a lot. I had to close the book for a while because I, I, just like you, I didn't know how to tease it. I didn't know how. I didn't know what words to say that weren't just blatantly like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" So, I'm, I'm upset at this. This idea that, like, you know, we have this whole kumbaya of freaking the Bat family getting together and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do to get back together, to become a family, to take care of Gotham for the better. No more secrets. Yeah. And and Batman immediately is like, nah, I'm good. 
Like, that is very bothersome. It annoys me so much. And it's the same writer. Like, he didn't even give it time for you to forget that he did this in issue yeah. 99. Yeah, no, it, it's it's not it's not like it's not like oh I set the Bat family together. I'm passing it on to a new writer, and the new writer's like, no, Batman should be alone. No, this is Tynan contradicting Tynan in only two months. Yeah, it it yeah. There's no reason for it. No reason for it whatsoever. Oh, I right when you were saying bother, I knew you were getting because I was like, man, I really wanted to tweet this, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think uh, Twitter was ready for it this week. Yeah, so no. we we immediately go, and now we're we're in the past. We're in Ireland. This is many years ago, and you see a character, and it looked like Bruce Wayne, just really young. At first, I was kind of confused. I'm like, is that Bruce? Just because. I don't know. I'm I'm not used to seeing like young Bruce Wayne, and if I did, I don't know. He's just he wouldn't look like that in my eyes. So mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly at first, but then we see the hooded, uh, the hooded man. And he's like there, he's got kind of like that little white daredevil little. It's I, I don't get this. I don't get this. And the reason being is, well, you go ahead and, and explain the situation. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, this is Bruce trying to find himself and he's trying to train and he's trying to become a pupil of one of the best marks, not marksman, that's a shooter, uh, like knifesman or whatever. Yeah. And he, you know, he's just trying to get his craft because this is a very angry and pissed off Bruce. But again, we're then getting introduced to whoever it looks like it's going to be Ghostmaker. And he's wearing this weird do rag that kind of looks like that weird look that Cyclops had for a bit. Yep. Um, I don't know how, how to explain it, but. And it looks like Bruce absolutely hates him because they immediately went to because it looks like this guy is already the protege. So he's like, find your own. And again, we find here while they are going up against each other that it looks like uh, Bruce, there is somebody out there that is better than Bruce. And obviously we know Bruce is not the greatest of greatest of fighters. Um, It's everything else that makes him great. But it looks like, okay, we have a true challenger here. And I'm I guess, um, I don't know. I'm sure we're going to be getting a lot of these flashbacks and this, this arc might feel like a, you know, like a, like an episode of arrow where everything's going to be with him on the Island and how that situation is what formed them to make the decision of the modern times. And I Mm -hmm. guess that will make me care about this character. Um, I will say uh, after that, I don't know if you had something specifically on that moment. Well, so, for one, Bruce, like you said, he's young. He's still angry. He's trying to find himself to be, you know, this all-in-thriving force for Gotham. Mm-hmm. And he starts this fight. He starts this fight with this uh, with this knivesman. He's like, you're one of the greatest knivesmen. I need to, I need to be taught. Teach me. And then he's also... Within the next three panels, you're wanted in 16 countries, so I'm going to take you in. I'm like, dude, pick a side. Are you going to be trained by this dude, or are you going to take him in for being a bad person? Like, you can't contradict. Like, Bruce is somebody who has this moral code since the moment his parents die. 
Yes. Do you genuinely think he would be, like, taught by an assassin just because, oh, I need to be taught this? Like, yeah, I yeah. don't... True. And And in that same time, I think Tynan kind of felt the same way and tried to go back on himself, but he didn't erase what he had just said. He, he kept it in the script, and he got it written down, he got it printed out, and it just contradicts itself again. And this idea that a young Bruce Wayne has this mentality of doing all of this and then fighting in the middle of a random street, it just feels weird. It does. It feels weird. And then you have this Nisman like, teenagers, I'm out of here. And he just walks off. And so then we jump into this story of Harley Quinn. And to be honest, Tynan has written Harley Quinn fairly well in the last few issues. Well, this, that's what I was going to mention. I like that she's – I like because I liked who she was in Joker War, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that she's still – even though she looks a little bit more Palmiati, Amanda Connor kind of Harley here, mm-hmm. um, I like that she's still in it. I hope it's not just because sooner or later we're going to get punchline again and we're just going to get the same old storyline. But I like that they kept her in. Yeah. So she is trying to get an apartment. You know, she's trying to get it the old-fashioned way uh, from this landlord. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you're a clown. You're a criminal. I'm not going to let you do this. He's like, well, if I don't let you do this, you're just going to break in anyway, aren't you? And he's like, okay, well... You're going to pay double rent and uh, well, don't she, talk she to anybody offered, else. She offered to pay yeah, yeah. double she, rent. She offered to pay double rent. And, I mean, I guess you can find a way. I, I know that the Harley book is canceled at this moment. But, like, I don't know if I would want it in a Batman book. But if you legitimately have a Harley book of her or a mini series even of her attempting to genuinely be good in Gotham. I think that would be kind of funny. Hell do it in the digital first. I don't care, but you know, it lines up with a, okay, that's an interesting take on Harley. Agreed. But we see clown hunter. He, and he's tracking Harley. Yes. And of course to him, a clown is a clown is a clown, you know? So he's going to try to kill her. You see that he has like all of these weapons ready to take her out. And that is when Ghostmaker shows up. And Batman shows up before Ghostmaker can even do anything to Clown Hunter. God, these names are way too long. They, I think that's, they are. that's why I, I get confused because they're long, but they they feel like they all kind of go in together that I don't. Yeah. And I'll be honest. This artist, at the moment Batman comes in, because I think this is, I think it was different art from from the moment Harley came in to the moment that Batman came back in. Yes. I think that was different art. Having this art here for Batman, this was actually a really cool sequence. I really enjoyed the panel layout. I enjoyed the sequence of it. I don't like... And this is a hot take for me. Uh, so take it as you will. I think villains playing into the whole Batman spiel when they know Bruce Wayne 
is Batman is dumb. Agreed. I think, especially if this is one of the first times that Ghostmaker is in Gotham, why should he even care that, you know, oh, this is the game that we play back and forth. I call you Batman. You call me Ghostmaker, you know? Like, it's dumb. It if is. he re- if he really wanted to set a scar in Gotham and get rid of Batman, you just say, hey, Bruce. And boom. Like, now ten people that are surrounding them know that he is Bruce Wayne. Like, that's... that's and, of course, Batman could play it off, blah, blah, blah. But that's when... Go- like, it is so... Like, cause I'm tired. I'm kind of tired of the back and forth. You know, I saw on Twitter the other day that said, Oh, don't you just hate it when a villain is evil just to be evil? And I'm like, when's the last time we even saw that? Yeah. We have not they're, seen. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to make you empathize with every single villain that I, knowing, knowing that there is just pure evil out there to be evil. I, okay, this is wrong to say, but it's for a comic book. I would say it that would be refreshing. Yes. Now, you know, because uh, my uh, my co-host from Batman News Weekly brought this up while we were at work. Um, you know, due to the fact that, you know, tensions are high in real life with the election and everything else, we want to say this is a comic book. We are talking about villains in a comic book. We are not talking about people in real life. Yes. I mean... It's so sad that that needs to be said, but yeah. Yes, yes. But an evil person in a comic book just needs to be evil. Yes. And sympathizing with them, if any, if I need to or if I want to, should come later. Because I don't even know who this person is. Agreed. Is he genuinely just confused and wants to make Gotham a better place? Because if that's the way to go, that's the wrong way to go, in my opinion. Agreed. But if he's evil, I want him to do evil stuff. I want to see him be evil. Yeah. Because right now it's just like, it's just this idea of two adult, you know, acquaintances fighting out over a childhood you know, uh, 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 disagreement. Yeah. And it's annoying to be completely honest. But like I said, I do like the art in this sequence. I would just, I need Ghostmaker to be evil and not have like, cause, cause once again, in the very beginning of this book, he said, he's going to take over Gotham. Tynan, you just wrote Joker taking over Gotham. And before that King just wrote Bane taking over Gotham. Find something new to do, please. Yeah, please. And I, and I mean, I know I shouldn't nitpick, but I feel like his suit would be a, a a real nuisance to actually fighting. I feel like it's way too baggy. Where if you're gonna want to do like this weird cross kick, your leg is just gonna, your foot's gonna get stuck on the bagginess of the other pant. Like it just feels like that I, doesn't. Look I, that's like a... I feel like that's a nitpick because it's genuinely a combination between a Talon and Moon Knight. Like that's what this is. No, no, it, it's definitely a, a nitpick. I just look at it. I'm just like, I'm like, okay, I guess it's a cool design, like the mask. But I, when I'm looking at it, I just think, 
Well, first, I feel like capes are a really, uh, you know, a big hindrance when it comes to fighting. But seeing, I don't know, seeing the way it looks in that, it's just extremely baggy. I just can't see him moving as freely as, you know, he's, you know, he would say that he is. Um, so, all right. So we're jumping back into the past. And now we are going, this is a book that I didn't think we were going to talk about, but I kind of brought it to you. surprised me with wanting to read this book. What, Last Ronin? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, because of the way that you started the conversation when we connected, it was because of the book that we're going to talk about next. And you said, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised with that one too. But this one kind of was just like, I thought when, because when you first talked to me about this book, it was just a genuine, like, I felt like it was just a genuine conversation. Like, hey, did you read Last Ronin? And I was like, yeah. You know, well, I said no. I said no. I wasn't thinking about picking it up, but a lot of people have been talking about it. And you, you said something like, man, you're such a loser because I wasn't picking up a lot of indie books at the moment. Uh, but I read it and dude, I, I could loser I said, don't be stupid. I, I think it was don't be stupid, but <laughs> I, I could not put this book down. I read it in all one sitting. Uh, oh, oh, for sure. And this is again, yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin. This is a mature, grittier take on, I guess you could say this would be, I guess, closer to what the Ninja Turtles were originally before they, you know, kind of sold sold out to be more of the mass and be for kids. Uh, before Nickelodeon. Because yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like even before Nickelodeon, they were still like touching a little bit on the gritty side. Well, there but, was always a grittiness because of where they're located in New York, I think, and I think yeah. the the setting gives it gives it off. But at first, I mean, the Ninja Turtles again, they were all red, and they were yeah. only. I mean, the only way you'll know the difference is, I guess, the more you read them, you'll know based on dialogue. But you yep. knew just because of the weapons. But these were turtles that killed. They like there was no. It's not like what it was like what we know as kids. If yes. you tell me Ninja Turtles, I'm gonna think of uh, like Rocky, the kid with the pizza boy. I'm, and, like, I'm pizza yeah, and I, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna think of the '80s cartoon show. That's yeah, what I'm gonna. I'm gonna think. think I'm gonna think Uncle Phil the Shredder. Like that's just what I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's the childhood. This is I think a little bit more based on the original, but yes, mature, grittier. And the story is by yes, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. These are the creators. And then I will be completely honest though, when uh this is not a Kevin Eastman drawn story. Now the layout is. Yeah. But it's not like inks and I think what did it say? Let me actually look at the actual Pencils, pencils and inks is from Isao and Isaac Escorza. Yeah. So I was not looking forward to this book when I when I purchased it. I said, okay, I'll purchase it. I'll read it. I thought this was an Eastman story and drawn, like written and, and it's, drawn. It's definitely formatted like something that Eastman would do. And I could kind of see what he means by layouts where he's probably just giving you like the rough, like I want the story to kind of look like this. Yes. Because yes. it is very much Eastman and with Tom Waltz. Tom Waltz has been a huge contributor, especially with the ID, the main IDW ongoing series that we're reading right now. Tom Waltz is kind of been the main storyteller, even with Eastman 
coming in at times kind of like helping with scripts. But Tom Waltz has been just as big as a factor. Yeah. And we are – yes, we're here. We're It is now, as they say with the timeline, it is now we have a turtle. We don't know which one it is. And and they were very smart in the sense of when you see this turtle, his mask is black. Yes. It's black. So, it's very – the dialogue throughout this entire story, you will never know which one it is. Actually, if anything, you might automatically think that it was Wrath because of the angry, the angriness to it, very dry. It felt very cold. You would not, you would not know. I'm like, okay, I'm like, is this, is this Wrath? When you yes. So we will, we will set the reveal yes. for the ending, but Absolutely. I will say, I think the really big, like expectation for most readers was when you hear this book, what the plot of it is, when you see all of the 75 variants that this book has, mm-hmm. everyone in their mother was like, Oh, I can't wait to see Raphael like really kick ass. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Like Raphael it's as an old Raphael. grumpy, yeah, it it felt very much and like even that. like that TMNT that movie that they made like in the mid two thousands where he was like metalhead when yeah. uh, when Leonardo went away. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much like this has been something that he's done. I mean, even in the old in the eighties movies, you know, he would always go out in his trench coat and do his own little side vigilante thing, and that's where he met like Casey Jones. Like yep. that was. So this is very much on brand for Raph. Raph is my favorite turtle. Who's yours? My favorite turtle. I honestly, you could you you can ask me any given day, and it would be different. But if I had to pick a genuine favorite, it's Mikey. It's Mikey. I love Mikey for the fact that when I was a kid, I loved that he was the one that would always crack the jokes. He was. Always the one as as uh, a kid, Mikey was my favorite. Yeah, for sure. And and now, because see, my brother, my older brother loved Leo, and I'm like, oh, we can't have the same favorite. That's just gonna be annoying. Yeah. And if it, you know, and then my dad was like, oh, because your attitude, I think Raphael should be your favorite. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, that's not cool. But then you know, I started to like Donnie. But I think I connected most with Mikey. I, I honestly did. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think most kids will always, they'll connect with Mikey. They'll love Leo because he had the swords. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Donatello was like in the 90s Billy. He was like the nerd that no one liked. <laughs> yes. Un- un- he, unfortunately. Well, that's just like- I mean, after after a while, I love characters with bow staffs. So, I've gotten to really enjoy Donnie as a what character. What made me appreciate Donnie the most was that Okay, not this recent really weird design that uh, Nickelodeon has done, but, like, the previous one. Yeah, uh, the one on uh, – well, I guess they're both on Nickelodeon. But, yeah, I understand. Yeah, the one that was, like three, like, three years ago. Yeah. That made me love Donnie. I think that they did a great job. They, they did a really cool 
uh, story arc for him. They humanized him a whole bunch. They made him very relatable. I, I, I agree. Now I will say, and that's, I think that's the, the story where they even helped him like, when it comes to fighting, because it's always been known that he was the weakest fighter. And he said, mm-hmm. it's because you think too much and you're telegraphing all your moves. And it was really funny because then Master Splinter is trying to ask, like, Mikey, do a move. But since Mikey's never thinking, he's very unpredictable and he's always coming up with these great moves because he's not thinking. Yeah. And it was kind of like, hey, just don't be. And I think I was like, all right, I love, I love this. Yeah. And I will say, although I don't like the designs for the new ones, I have seen some behind the scenes how they animated their fights holy crap for anybody who is with me on loving anime loving dragon ball z-esque fights go watch the new ninja turtles that is what their fights look like it like i'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it i saw a video the other day that i was like how the hell is this freaking uh, I, I almost said Power Rangers. Uh, how the hell is this freaking Ninja Turtles? It is insane. It is nuts. So go check it out. I'm, I haven't seen a full episode, but I think I actually want to try it out. Nice. Yeah, me too. I haven't seen it just because I was still thrown off by the designs. Anyways, okay. So this is now we're getting a turtle suit, uh, you know, dressed up. He's, it looked like he's ready to go on a mission. And this is a very quick read. And the way yes. it looks like here is that, yes, you are only seeing one turtle being featured, but you're hearing conversations that he is having, that this turtle is having with his brothers. And this is going on throughout you, the entire story. You do see silhouettes. Yes. Like there is times where he, you, he is like looking at something and you see them in the background. But again, they are in shadow. They are silhouettes. So you don't see any colors. You do see, like, some, uh, well, I, I say see because you're reading it. But when you read the dialogue, you're like, oh, that's clearly this character. So that, you know, you, you can't say that it's him that is the one that is doing this. True. And so you're like, okay, they're really playing around with this. I want to know who it is. Um, but he is going into this fortified city. And I believe it made me wonder if it was again, I'm not great with New York or anything like that. I don't know if this was like if if it's like a Staten Island or one. Well, of that's a little, that's kind of because you, you do see him going through the sludge right before the splash page. And you kind of see I think that's the Brooklyn Bridge, maybe or the George. Washington. I was going to say you do see the bridge broken even on the yeah. splash page. You see yeah. the bridge broken. So I would I would say that it might be honestly. Okay. Yeah, but you uh, you see him get into this fortified city. Um, he's needing a way to like, he points to the building that he needs to go through. He's like, okay, I I need to get there. And you know, the turtles in his head, basically, you're like, well, how do you get there? And he steals a bike and he steals a red bike. So again, you're like, oh, it's, it's gotta be Raph, you know, you know, because when you look at all the bikes that are there, you see green, blue, red, yellow, and it even does a little bit of close up. And you're like, okay, those these colors can very well be, you know, the different turtles that we all know and love. So who, you know, who is it? You know, I think the only color you don't see is purple. Mm-hmm. But uh, he gets the, to the, you know, somewhat close to where he needs to be. He well, does you, this. You do see purple, but you see it later on. Yeah, in a moment where he's, you would think that he's just finished battling all those, like the mech. 
the mech yeah. and there's yeah he he blows up this freaking uh truck to get as high up as possible uh and he enters the building via like or he he enters another sub uh level of this island because it's very it's very neon uh what what's the uh a neon future type you know so yeah. everything's very mechanical and things like that uh and all of the police officers are not robots it seems like they're cyborgs because even when he is beating up this robot he beats up dude these guys look like solid snake like from freaking yes metal gear love it yeah good job uh and he he breaks the you know the helmet and you see an eye and mm-hmm. you're like oh crap these things are human and then he knocks the head off of one and i'm like okay clearly not human so android okay and so they all start going after him and he's it kind of you know, has it kind of has like that crank that Craig, you know, like the yes. dude that it, yes. there's certain elements, but you're like, okay, so I guess this is yeah. kind of who we might be dealing with. And then this turns into like a full Jason Bourne chasing. Yep. And he, you know, is running on top of buildings, running all over the place. This is uh, like Ninja Turtles meets like the fifth element. Yes. Yes, very much so. And you see this turtle using every single weapon that he has because that's one thing that we didn't mention also another way to confuse readers is he has all four weapons of every single turtle he has the size and he uses each one successfully as if he has mastered each one where it's not like he struggles with one and you're going to be like okay well he's clearly not this guy because he can't use it no Mm -hmm. each weapon to his disposable disposal masterfully but we learn who the antagonist is and it is the grandson of Ooh, Hiroto, of Shredder. yes, of Shredder. Yes, and so you're like, oh snap, okay. So the really fun thing is the fact that everything in the TMNT universe. So the main book that is like I think at one fifteen right now, issue one one ten one fifteen. I don't know how far they are. Uh, so the main line, then they had TMNT Universe, which ended, I think, a year ago, two years ago. Then they have all the tie-ins. I mean, all the, the spinoffs. So you have the TMNT Ghostbusters. You have the, uh, uh, well, TMNT Batman is the only one I don't think is in continuity. Oh, it's not? Uh, okay. okay. No. But majority of everything written by IDW is actual canon for TMNT. So you have to think, is this going to be canon? So in this sense, you know, I think just recently, minor spoilers, I think they resurrected Shredder recently. Okay. So this is technically, this can technically still happen. The fact that Shredder has a grandson. So, I think that was uh, very cool to bring, you know, somebody that might be uh, have uh, pretty big roots to the turtles to be integrated into this story, you know. So no, I I uh, I I I, I, to- I totally totally there goes my son. 
<laughs> no, I just I, love, I, I, I love, I love how you tried to do, you try to make everything quiet by like, like your, your, your I'm, eyes I'm, move really I'm quick. You, you move your hands, you do all these things. And then your son's like, okay. And then just like slams the door. <laughs> he like slams something on the, man, it's just, you know, it's just oblivious night. Oh all because he wants my headphones because he wants to connect with friends on Fortnite. And I'm like, dude, you can't use my headphones because then the laptop is going to boost your voice on my microphone and that ruins audio but i think you know at nine years old patience is not something that has been learned yet so yeah that's oh man anyway but uh but so this turtle he is uh he's he's making he's making very good ground he's you know getting all the way up to where he needs to be and then he has one of these androids cyborgs whatever you want to call them uh basically throws him out of a window. Yep. And this was actually pretty terrifying. Uh in the sense of like there's this idea of and I, I'm pretty sure they talked they did it in the cartoons and in the movie, like what would happen if a turtle landed on a shell? You know? Yeah. And yeah, this this turtle does not land on his shell whatsoever. Yeah, which I mean, which in, in a sense, landing the opposite way, I'm like, man, what just happened to, you know, his face, every, everything else? Because I mean, yes, I agree that the shell for a turtle, that's I mean, most of all the important nerve endings and everything is on the shell. But yeah. I, I I was waiting for besides some of the language. I mean, the action, okay, it's always been very on point for, like, Ninja Turtle stuff, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit, but I was waiting to see where is the mature, and I was not expecting the, you know, like, the massive bleeding from the mouth. Uh, like, they, they, in 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 a sense, I mean, yes, we're still talking about Ninja Turtles, so I'm not expecting to see, like, Philadelphia or Ice Cream Man type of gore when it comes to maturity i think it's still going to be within the realm of what we know and love of the ninja turtles just a little bit darker now maybe uh-huh. we're going to get last ronin like marvel max and we're just going to get some crazy stuff but at the moment <laughs> i would be surprised if it got to that point yeah but with that being said uh we do find out that once it looks like oruku is all happy because it looks like this turtle has been has been okay he's been disbanded of he's supposedly dead uh there is a girl and i'm and i'm i don't know this might be something in regards to what the current ongoing issue is she kind of looks like the mad hatter like an asian mad hatter kind of yeah yeah, i can see it and she's the one that saw this turtle go into the sewer so i'm curious in regards to okay who is she going to be is she going to play a major part in helping whoever this turtle is with what his mission is. And this is when we run into, okay, Oroku, where it looks like he's, there's, there's a little bit of like a Mr. Freeze where it looks like he is trying to, he's trying to revive what looks to be a family member. Now, I don't know if this is a wife who was made. No, no, it it says dearest mother. He says dearest mother. He says, Oh yes. Dearest mother. He says, Uh, and you will always be uh, here to share in my glory and to witness as I finish all that you could not, dearest mother. Yep. Yeah. yeah now, I, you know. uh, 
I personally don't know all that much about the TMNT. Now, I have been uh, saving up to purchase, you know, uh, the the freaking giant volumes digitally on Comixology. I'm just yeah, waiting I, for I, another I've sale. Buy, I've been buying the trades. It's just that I think the, the demand is so high that these are one of those that not even if you go to like an in-stock in stock trades mm-hmm. or something, you know, you're just hoping that you can find these books at a little bit of a discount, but no, these are, these hardcovers are 40 bucks a pop. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm like, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, I can go right now and buy Alan Moore, the absolute edition of his omnibus. And I could get it for forty seven ninety nine on that site. But these yeah. Ninja Turtles that are much smaller, <laughs> it's not an absolute, it's nothing. It's it's like forty three bucks. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. So I I have the first three volumes, but it's just it it takes a bit to kinda collect those. Yeah. But uh we do see uh this turtle, he is messed up. He he is bleeding internally from that giant fall. Um and he's trying to get a grip on what he's gonna do. And this is where it gets pretty intense. Um, he finally is like, you know what? I can't do this. Um, you know, I've gone this far. And you see him laying out all the weapons. And again, being smart with the play on who this character is, every single mask is draped over the weapons. So you still do not know who it is. And he gets the sword, Leo's sword, and he is about to... Uh, perform a, I forgot what it's called, but he's basically going to commit suicide. He's going to stab himself. Yeah, with this the is kind of like when you bring dishonor to your family. I, I don't know which one. I, if I have to guess, I'm going to say I believe this was like the Japanese. I want yes. to say if there is dishonor, I don't. I'm sorry. I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, but I, I believe it is the custom that if you do, at least then, kind of, if you mm-hmm. bring dishonor to your family, like that would be the way to take yourself out. Yeah, and this, and way, it felt he, like the only way he can go. He doesn't do it because he's losing too much blood from the internal damage, and he gets himself. He he's knocked unconscious. And from what we know, dies because you see at the very end, you know, this woman that has seen him, he's like, yeah, oh the, the Mad Hatter girl. That's I'm calling her yeah. the Mad Hatter because of her hat. And she's like, holy crap, you're a turtle. And you see the little thing, uh, the little uh, heart monitor thing uh, go flatline. And then the next page, you see it pick up again and you see a very wholesome flashback with all the turtles and you're like oh why are you doing this to me like i don't even know who this character is and like even in the flashback there is no like there there's no way of knowing which turtle it is because again none of them are wearing masks here and dialogue is still very like okay they're being very ominous and then you see in the very next page a much, much older April O'Neil. Yes. Well, not only and older, I was like, so happy. Older, but weathered. Yes, like, I was so happy to see a familiar face in this book. Like honestly, I was like, "That's so awesome!" Like you see her, she she has she looks like she's been through, through some stuff. She has some scars, and she says, "Uh." 
like, who were you talking to? And she reveals who it is. Now, before I reveal who it is, were you expecting this? I, I think I, at the end of it, I did expect it. And the reason why I expected it, because with the conversations that I would have with like friends, they mm. would say, because of what you said about your childhood and how you felt about Mikey, it would have made the most sense to make this feel even like the, it will give you the most emotional gun punch and knowing that the jokesters skateboarding pizza eating joke wielding doesn't take anything serious kind of turtle is the one that has to the one who is now broken the one who is broken and i was, yeah it was such a gut punch dude i i felt it when she says who were you talking to michelangelo i almost wanted to cry and it's because he is broken. You have never... Now, I will say, when you watch cartoons and everything else, yeah, there's going to be a storyline where you see Mikey be down in the dumps and whatever, and he's not his, you know, happy-go-lucky self, and then by the end of the episode, he's back to normal. Yeah, you can learn life lessons like that. But this, this is on a whole new level. He yeah. has lost almost everyone. We know now that April O'Neil is still alive, but when was the last time he saw her? True. You know? Yeah. And, like, it, it's... I I immediately subscribed on Comixology to this series, so I'm going to be getting the rest. Now, I will say, this was a whopping $9 as a first issue. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with that? I don't think I do. I think that this could have easily been a five ninety nine, seven ninety nine. A whole ten dollars is a little much, especially when on. I don't know if they show it on the physical copy, but I'm here uh, looking at it on the digital book. It shows the very last page. It says next issue, and you see the black and white cover for it, mm-hmm. and then. The next few pages, it says, collect all of the retail exclusive covers. It features five of them on that page. And then you go on for one, two, three, four. Three three pages, because the last one just says R. So three pages of covers. And I ordered, I got the original and I got two variants. I got I got one that looks I mean I, I think that I think it's coming in like two weeks. I don't know why it's taking so long, but it's like a limited edition, and it's one mm-hmm. that makes it look like if it's uh, Leonardo with like gargoyles next to him, just gorgeous. And okay, then, I think I saw that one here. Let me see if I can find it. And then I have another one where you're kind of seeing him dressed up in his hooded garment but each weapon is being so heavily highlighted that it kind of gives you an idea like oh, who who is this but yeah like i i, I was running yeah. through it and yes i could kind of be like my initial thought would be like okay i thought it would have been raf like when i heard the story 
which obviously what I think would be the most generic take if they went that way. Mm-hmm. But then somebody mentioned, I mean, I think it's Mikey because I think Mikey would be the one to kind of hit yeah. you the hardest. And I'm like, now I will say looking at this, looking at all the variants, I would be interested with having some of these on my wall uh, because as you know, uh, I've said it before I have collected out of all of my collection, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven boxes of books that I want to eventually get graded uh, and mount on a wall. I see two covers that I would want to have graded and put on a wall. Uh, one of them being this really awesome uh, homage to uh, Japanese culture manga. It's the black and red cover where you see the last Ronin. Uh, he looks like he is walking through a sewer uh, because he has water covering his feet. And then you see the red moon behind him. I yeah, think that's that is- the that's the like the original. I believe that's the original cover. Are you sure? Yeah. Let me go back. I, 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 to... I, I want to say that if, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, where you kind of see him like looking off to the side, and it's like it has kind of like that Japanese style um, text with the the red moon, and you're kind of seeing. Okay, no, no, no. So, so you the the original cover has his back facing you and he is looking off to the side and you see the red moon okay but in this cover that i am looking at uh he is facing the reader oh and it's over his left shoulder okay yeah. oh that one's sexy yes yes okay so i i would want that and then uh there is another one on the very next page it's the very first one on the top and it shows him like kneeling down with the three ghosts of mm-hmm. the other turtles. Yeah. That's a good one. But yeah, dude, this was actually really surprisingly good. Um, I would recommend reading it. Um, if you would like to wait for the trade, I think it'll be a trade very worth reading as well. Uh, this was fun. This was a very fun issue to read. Uh, but another fun read, which like I said, very, very uh, was not expecting you to message me publicly on Twitter. Uh, it's because I love wanting, you. wanting to read Mighty Morphin Number One by Ryan Parrot. Now I will go ahead and say I will be talking about this again in our very second episode of Ranger Alliance. Uh, I have a uh, podcast that is dedicated for Power Rangers. Uh, me and Jake from the uh, Nerd Grounds podcast will be talking about uh, issues one and two, or sorry, one, uh, issue one of Mighty Morphin and issue one of Power Rangers. Uh, so uh, it is a companion book. Uh, one is called Mighty Morphin. The other one is called uh, Power Rangers. Now, is this uh, kind of like an action Superman where it's going to be two different stories, or is one a main story while two is kind of giving you more so from if if you were to even go back as far as uh issue 40 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and issue 20 of yeah I think it's issue 20 of Go Go Power Rangers uh 
it is all one story that is very well integrated into each other because it's all written by the same person. And the same goes for this. Parrot is writing both Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. So the story is going to be smooth. It's not going to have contradicting stuff whatsoever. Uh, After we review this, I will say if anybody wants to go listen to a very good conversation about this issue in particular, go listen to the Ranger Danger podcast. Uh, The latest episode is uh, the uh, Boom Room episode on this book here. Um, uh, Ryan Parrott is featured on all the Boom Room episodes on that podcast. He talks a little bit about what his thoughts were on you know, how he came about the ideas for the book and, and whatnot. So it's really, really fun to listen to him uh, talk about the book. But um, high-level thoughts as somebody who's just jumping into this book. Uh, high-level thoughts, I mean, a little confused in 10 in, – in, okay, let, let, let's start to – not confused. Reading the book, I can tell that this is not all fresh. There are definite threads from past arcs that are being addressed. So Mm -hmm. if you don't read, you don't know, okay, you will hope that it gets explained. I think that for the most part, they do a pretty good job of giving the, this isn't like a Tynan or Snyder when I want to tell you a little bit of history, they give me a 10-page history lesson. They do very well with maybe one or two word balloons. Hey, this is it. Like, this kind of gets a very quick boom. This is kind of like what happened. Now, it's up to you, but you at least have context. So Mm -hmm. I was able to appreciate that they did that. Um, But besides that, I mean, I had a blast reading it. I mean, there's things like in regards to I never knew that of Zordon, kind of like what you get at the very beginning. I didn't know that that's like who he was. Because I've always yeah. Known him in his uh, one thing that they say in the Boom Room episode is Saban, the uh, previous owners of this IP, they uh, were very uh, coy and standoffish when it came to the history of Zordon. So Parrot was not able to touch on that, or even Higgins. They were not able to really tell a story of of uh, Zordon when Saban was in charge, but now Hasbro, they were like, Hey, if you can tell a good story, tell a good story. And so they were able to do it with Hasbro. So I, I am hoping, uh, cause I'm going to, I'm going to start reading this. So I, I will say that I was like, all right, cool. Like I didn't know that he's like this badass warrior and it's, you know, it, it, there's kind of like a vibe of his people. I don't want to say like, he's like, cause I would say he's more like a guardian kind of like in the green lantern. Yes, Um, so that's what these are called. Yeah, so to me, I would be like seeing Zordon there. I was like, all right, cool. This is like if Ganthet, before just being like a guardian, like if he had a history and Ganthet and Saeed were just like these badass warriors like back in the day. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. So that's That's actually pretty cool, yeah. Ah, cool. So that that was something that I kind of got pumped into to looking at. Um, Then, you know, we we jump into kind of like the – this newer time that now it looks like Billy there's something going on. Billy is doing something. He's working very closely with who's the, I ah, yeah, 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 yeah. What's his name again? Alpha five. Alpha. I was going to say skeets, but yeah, <laughs> yeah basically so. if skeets had a body, <laughs> 
true. Okay, so yeah, the so what's this? Alpha? So yeah. Alpha, Zordon, Billy working on something. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what they're working on, but it seems pretty serious. And then, yeah, now we're in Angel Grove. And now you have all the Rangers. I kind of... I, just because since I don't know any better, I, I like that they luckily they had the, their colors. Like this still happened. <laughs> it, it actually worked. That is awesome. Like for for one, like I think that that is a very big thing. For like, oh, if you don't know who the Rangers are, they all wear their own colors. You know, and I think that's awesome that it actually worked for you. They're like, okay, I'm new to this book. Okay, the yellow. The person wearing yellow is clearly the Yellow Ranger, so uh, that's that's actually pretty fun. Thank you. That that actually tickles me a little bit. Okay, I, I <laughs> I'm glad I was able to tickle you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, that, it, it it definitely helped. I mean, like I did know, uh, I, I I don't know why, but was the Red Ranger name always Rocky? No. So uh, one thing that you would not know of is, and and I mean most. Majority, I mean, it, it all depends. But uh, in the story of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, even in the show, uh, after the first season, uh, Trini, Jason, and Zack left the team. They left the team to uh, go on to uh, Jason being... was the Red Ranger. Jason was the Red Ranger, I feel, yes. Okay, Jason, I was like, okay, so, that sounds familiar. So the really cool thing about that... Uh, they're, they leave due to, to this peace conference that they are going to go uh, join. Now they're like they're like pacifists the, now or something. Or well, the really cool thing about that is you're like okay, you know they're basically joining the Peace Corps, you know, type yeah. of thing. Okay, but you know they left the show due to whatever. You know, doesn't matter. But they left the show. The really cool thing about that is because they are still technically characters in the universe, Parrot was able to play off of that. And there is a huge twist to that storyline that jumps into the comic. Okay. So, uh, for those of you uh, who would like to know about that, Necessary Evil, which is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 40, and the companion is Go-Go Power Rangers at, I think, issue 20. Uh, they they tell that story. And there's, I will say, introduction to new rangers. So, uh, which are these three rangers, but there's three more completely new rangers that no one has ever known because they were first created in the comic. But these three, Adam, Rocky, and Aisha, are the new red, black, and yellow ranger. Got it. Okay, so that that definitely helps. I was like, all right, because Tommy kind of still has the same likeness. So does Kim, and so does Billy. I'm like, okay, but the other ones, I was kind of confused. But oh, wait, was was Adam was 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 Adam Black? No, because uh, they know like back in the TV show he was. But well, I Zach, Z- no Zach, Zach sorry, he, Zach. He, Zach is actually yes, he's uh, African American. Yes. Okay. And then uh, Adam, he uh, he. See, Adam, Rocky, and Aisha, if you remember the original movie, they were in the movie. I've, I've never seen the movie. Okay. Uh, we just recently did a watch along with uh, the... When you say original uh, movie, do you mean like those... The, the one that was in theater. Okay, yeah. No, I didn't see that one. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, but luckily, 
I was able to know who's who because of the outfits. They really worked out and it, you know, it was very, very helpful. And I think that here it looks like now the introduction of this green ranger that nobody knows who it is. Is this something that was thrown into you, you know, I guess during the mighty Morphin power Rangers when it was all just, so was that in issue 50 of mighty Morphin power Rangers, this new green ranger just showed up, just showed up and then left. And minor spoilers for that story. Draken, who was the big villain of Shattered Grid, had come back at issue like 52 or 51. And he is now a prisoner in the command center. Got it. So now they're like, oh, well, it's got to be Draken. They're like, how? He's a prisoner. And they talk about that later on in the uh, in this issue. But, uh, so we, you know, that's what they're having the conversation about. Like, who is this Green Ranger? Like, you know, and, uh, it's really funny. Parrot talks about how he has these conversations. He will basically, like, he, he, he described it as think of a giant conspiracy thread in Reddit. And he wrote it like that. With everybody having, okay. like, different personalities. And then he wrote multiple responses for each character. And the best one, he just erases the other. Uh, he he does a really cool breakdown on some things. So I highly recommend, uh, for anybody who's interested in the writing process of some of your favorite books, like Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers and Go Go Power Rangers, go listen to those. I, I really recommend it. Uh, but it looks but like go- it's not, it's, it looks like it's not only the Rangers who are trying to figure out who this green Ranger is. It looks like also we then go to the moon and we see, is it Zed? Yeah. Okay. Zed looks like he's out of commission. I don't know if he's dead or, but it looks like he's unconscious. He's not in commission currently at the moment. And these are the, I don't know their names, but these are like the goons that you're always seeing with like Rita. Yeah. Okay, so these are just, and it looks like they they even realize that with the the mystery surrounding who this ranger is, they know that if they do not have any kind of answers before Zed comes, hey, we're going to be in some serious trouble, and we might end up becoming one of these kind of sacrifices. Uh, so he's like, let's kind of like do our own stuff, so that if Zed ever wakes up, we'll be able to present itself. And that's where we now go back to Angel Grove. And we're in. I'm guessing we're introduced to a buddy of Rocky's, which his name is. I think it was Matt. So Matt is introduced. You even read him in the first volume of Go Go Power Rangers. Oh, he was oh, the one. He, he, or, yeah, uh, he was the he was the one that was dating Kim. Okay. The, yes, I I know who it is. Perfect. So yeah. then there is something about with this introduction. I'm guessing if I have to just throw my theory of not knowing anything, I'm going to say Matt is the Green Ranger. And the reason, the only reason why I'm thinking the Master Green Ranger is the because of the way that Tommy went. I think, well, I guess Tommy had history with Kim, but he has like this specific pose that when he's looking at at uh, at Matt, he's like, "Yeah, I know who you are. Yeah, nice, nice to finally meet you, whatever." But there's just something al- along the lines that later on, when the Rangers are again um, introduced to the, well, not, not introduced, but they meet up with him again because the Zed's goons end up creating some kind of crazy weaponized panda uh, 
you know, pandemonium. Pandemonium. That's a good. Name. I love that name. Yeah, that, that it's was good. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why. When I saw the pandemonium, I immediately thought of like the ridiculousness of like Dial H, <laughs> when they were just kind of like bringing up like these characters. So, anyways, there's this moment. They're all fighting. They're like, "Oh, there he is." And I guess they never realized, but this Green Ranger is able to do things with his sword that I don't remember who said it, but that he can't. So like, there's like, oh, Dragon Strike and Dragon Blow, Dragon Dagger Power Up, whatever. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. But when everything is all said and done, when I think it was Tommy being the one that says like, hey, you know, we can really use you. It's like, hey, be part of the team. Let's kind of like figure this all out together. It, there's something about the way that he stands that he's kind of like doing his own version of like a stare down and then he just goes away that I'm like, oh, I, I feel like it would be pretty great where I don't know. I know back in the day it was Jason was kind of like he was the leader. Then Tommy yeah. came later and do, 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 with his flute and everyone's like, ah, he's great. So I'm like, I'm guessing Tommy is still the the hot shit. I'm guessing. In terms Basically. Of leader. Okay. So I just find it like I – I kind of took it as like, all right, it would be great for a power struggle that Tommy's always been known as this guy. Yes, history with Kim. Matt, history with Kim. But now Matt is like this new, better ranger that's using its original color. My headcanon is yes, Matt is the Green Ranger. We don't know yet. We don't know yet because it's not revealed in this first issue. Now, the only reason why I say I headcanon this and... Ryan, I know you are not going to say yes or no, or if you're even listening to this podcast, I know that you've listened to the Go Go Power Rangers uh, review that we did earlier during the pandemic, and I thank you for that. But if you are listening, I'm going to go ahead and headcanon that if Matt is the Green Ranger, I was the one that brought the idea to your head. So I thank you for making that possible. <laughs> and the reason why is a couple months ago, uh, he had had a Q&A. He was like, hey, you know, have some time. I'll answer a few questions. And I asked him, when are we going, like, what are we going to do with Matt? I said, and the reason why I ask is he's the only character that is prominent with our heroes that we know is not in the future of the show like he was never introduced he doesn't have a fate that's tied to the show okay and i said and you've also only shown him like uh ryan parrot because he's the one that created him he's only been shown in gogo power rangers he's not shown in the future of the coinless and shattered grid he's not shown anywhere else he was so specifically Matt is a ryan parrot creation yes and so he responded and he said, huh, I guess he has only been in Go-Go, huh? And that was it. And I'm like, ooh, that means maybe he has something planned. So but he is the I'm gonna who laughs. Stop it. I'm sorry. Stop it. But I will go ahead and say uh, I won't take any residuals from you. It's okay. I'm just glad that I gave you the idea. And uh, it's going to be awesome if he is. Now, I also think that he purposely put Matt in here and the Green Ranger here to throw you off. To say, no, you're all going to think that it's Matt, but it's not. But I hope that it is. Just saying. 
because another thing is the Rangers straight up ask Alpha 5 in the midst of the fight when they see the Green Ranger again. They say, hey, is he still in his cell? And Alpha 5 confirms that he is, in fact, still in his cell. Yes, because that was Adam. Adam was the one that was like very paranoid, like not knowing exactly, like, who is it? Is he here? Why wouldn't it be him? Because this would be perfectly the, if it was him. And I think yeah. but that was a time that it looked like, I think it was Tommy who after says, like, guys, this is when it's very important for us to stick together and yes. not kind of start going up against each other with all these conspiracy theories. So I, I will say that a moment, I didn't think that I was going to like this because they're I felt like their characters were always very one-sided, which is like the Bulk and Skull or whatever their names are. Skull? Yeah. Is it Skull and Bulk? Bulk and Skull, yeah. Okay, I'm right. So I, I kind of like the element that it's always been like these two. And I don't know, I just recently with my son and my wife, we saw Hocus Pocus. And it reminded me, have you seen Hocus Pocus? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of like those two like guys that were bullies, but they were like total nerds. Uh, yeah. And they're like, okay, these guys are like bumbling idiots. Uh, for some reason, it, they kind of always felt like that very one note, like there was nothing to their character. Again, I don't read anything, so you would know more. Well, but- Ryan Parrott, like a long time ago, said that he almost did not even write Bulk and Skull into his book. Like he was just going to leave them off because you get a majority of Bulk and Skull's characters in Go-Go Power Rangers. You don't really see them a whole lot in Mighty Morphin. And... He, at one point, had almost said, like, I'm not going to write them in, into the book. But, you you know, of course he did. And when you see it, when you see his writing in volumes two, three, four, what whatnot, in Go-Go, you see that there is a huge part of their characters that are very important to the humanization of this book. And, you know, like you said, you know, they are, in fact huge nerds for the power rangers they had their own podcast for it uh there's i i think he's had like one or two issues of gogo where it was only bulk and skull yeah like so following they're... a story of like like oh i need to go film the rangers fighting this giant monster blah blah, blah. but yeah go ahead yeah so so there was something there was something genuine in regards. I'm like, oh, they're kind of putting a layer into their relationship, which is this girl. I I don't believe they ever said her name. Her uh, name. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, Candace. Did they? Okay. So I, I must have just skipped past it. Um, but with this Candace, I like that. Okay. It looks like um, – I, well, first, I like kind of like Candace, like you're kind of humanizing one because, yes, the, yes, there is. It looks like Bulk is not a fan of who she is because she's always hanging around. But I guess he just doesn't mm-hmm. like the dynamic of someone messing with their, you know, their uh, what, what's it called? Their bromance. Like, yeah, this is like this is our thing. And now she's kind of getting in the middle. He's like, well, I happen to love who you consider this hindrance. So if you want to be with me, you're going to have to get used to the fact that they're I'm like, cool. All right. There's some layers there to this friendship. All right. And then there, and then it kind of humanizes even more because you even see her after he takes her out on a nice date. She actually calls him Eugene. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So Skull's name is Eugene. I didn't. Well, I wouldn't know that, but I was like, all right, cool. Like I like that. There's a little. Oh yeah, it does. It says a Candace right after. Oops. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I like that. There was like this kind of. I'm like, all right. You know what? I might kind of dig this. And she was introduced uh, earlier in the other arcs. So. Yeah, it's just I don't I don't know why. I guess her design, she just reminds me of the spray painter chick with Dick Grayson. 
yeah. that we always keep on talking about, but I'm always forgetting her name. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's some sort of like an element there. And even the art style kind of reminds me of it where I'm like, okay, I dig it. And then, hey, lo and behold, she's not who she says she is. Now, is this the the species of Zordon? Yes. Okay. It That's is. awesome. So it kind of... It's a very cool way to do, you know, to bookend this story by starting it off with a little bit of Zordon's history. And then it immediately shows him his past with him in that tube. And now you're seeing that, hey, look, it looks like his species. So, I mean, I don't know who Eltar is, uh, but I will say I'm really bummed out for Eugene, for Skull, because it looks like he's really head over heels for her. So I feel like their, you know, his story, they might just really go back to. After his Eltar, Eltar is the the planet Zordon of Eltar. He he is uh, he is okay. an Eltarian. So this person is an Eltarian. Oh, Eltarian! That sounds so cool. Yeah, that's a, uh, I dig it. And it's really really cool, just because uh, again, uh, the podcast Ranger Danger Boom Room. Go listen to it. Um, he even says that like in earlier arcs where she was prominent in. Uh, there's conversations that you can very much tell that like, oh, he's hinting at something uh, and how she engulfs herself in human culture because she's new to it. So when she talks about how, oh, she really loves, you know, going to museums and, and loves music and everything else, it's because she's getting a taste for it for the first time. Got it. Okay. So. So slight hints here and there, you you can see you can just say that oh she's very cultured and she wants to you know know everything or whatever, but it's because she's new to this planet literally. Yeah. Uh, okay. so, so I found that out, to be really really cool. Cover. We're looking at the cover here, which is gorgeous by Inyukli, and and massive kudos to Marco Rena and the colors by Walter Biamonte and Katia Renali. Like it's just great. Love the art. Very good. And it's, I'm not saying for you, I don't want you to blaspheme against me saying that it's anywhere near Dan Mora. There's only one Dan Mora <laughs> in this world. No one can be as great as Dan Mora. But I think that the art in this issue was great. And if this is going to be the artist, then sweet. I did. Yes. One thing that I have to say about every Power Rangers artist is every single time a new artist jumps onto this book, I, yes, you notice it. But it's not like, oh, that's too dramatic of a change, you know? Mm -hmm. It feels very organic every single time a new artist jumps into this book. I think it's awesome. One thing that I love about uh, Parrot in his writing is he writes in a splash page for the, uh, for the uh, morphing sequence every single time. Uh, so every single book has a that, – that he has written – has a uh, splash page for the morphing sequence. And the reason why is because he thinks if you go watch the show, you can go watch the first three episodes and every single time they morph, all it does is that little sequence where like you see the morpher and then you see their head and they yell out their dinosaur. Mm -hmm. You don't see what they look like. Yeah. So he says, you, you can't just do that for a comic. You need to make it, you know, pop you need to do something to show them morphing and he gives full reign to the artists when he says splash page of morphing 
it looks great. It looks really cool. Uh, it looks really nice. Yeah. So in that cover, who is the dude to the right with the red striped on his face? Is that Draken? That that is Lord Draken. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I was wondering, I'm like, are they like teasing who the Green Ranger is in front of us, and we're just not knowing? But okay. No that that is Lord Draken. Um, as I said, he is uh, currently captured uh, in the command center, uh, and you know he he has. He basically sounds insane right now. If you if you read the prior issues, he is not the all, uh, you know, powerful, you know, just in your face evil being. He is qu- kind of that freaking crazy loon in a jail cell right now. Now I'm googling Lord Dragon. Why he he looks like a White Ranger? Yes. So in the Shattered Grid. Um, he had the power of the White Ranger, and then he stole the green uh, uh, coin back from Rita, and integrated into his uh, into the morphing grid. Is, is Shattered Grid the event that had those amazing covers? Yes, of just the helmets. Yes. Okay. Yes, I own almost every single cover from Shattered Grid. Um, it is. Probably one of the best events I have ever read. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it was they, those are. I know I have I have two of them. I never read the story. It's just that the covers were so gorgeous. There is a deluxe. There is a deluxe volume, a hardcover. So right up your alley for Shattered Grid by itself. If you want to just read Shattered Grid, would it make sense if I just read it? Yes, if you, uh, there is there is a trade that just came out uh, last week. Let me see if I can find the title of it. Shattered um, Grid. I think it's Mighty like Morphin deluxe Power Rangers deluxe hardcover. God, that's freaking sexy. Yeah, it looks it, so nice. It, it is. It, so oh, good. Higgins. Yes, Higgins. This is yes. the one I really wanted to read. Well, that's just because yes. I love Kyle Higgins. I'll, so, always, I'll always hate myself for my freaking first time meeting Kyle Higgins and the way that I spoke with him at a con. <laughs> I'll, I'll forever hate that, but that, that could be a story for another day. Now, I'm looking to see where it would be. But there was a small little trade that came out uh, recently. Uh, that was basically the introduction of Draken. Because right now, that's issue 12 is like selling anywhere from like 18 to $65. Um, but because it's like one of the only issues I don't have. But it's a, it, if you, if you read Shattered Grid by itself, oh, it's right here. This one is called, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Rise of Draken. It is twenty three ninety nine on Comixology right now. It's seventeen ninety nine. You can save twenty five percent. But it is uh, a collection of uh, issue nine, eleven through sixteen, and then twenty three and twenty four. Twenty three and twenty four of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is the prelude to uh, Shattered Grid. Okay. 
And this is just to give you context of who he is. Yes. Right. And then you could read Shattered Grid and you'll know everything. All right, cool. So yeah, I might I might do that because I've I always wanted yeah, big Higgins fan. Uh yeah, man, so I dug it. I, I'm really excited. When's uh, Power Rangers come out? Power Rangers comes out next week. Ooh, nice. So is this gonna be like an well so it's stuff Superman should have been? Is it bi weekly or once a month? It's once a month. So it's gonna be the first two weeks of every month. So you'll get it right off the bat every single month. And uh, we on the Ranger Alliance will be covering the books as a collective. So we won't review each individual issue uh, the weeks they come out. We'll wait until both of them come out. Then we will review them. Sweet. Okay, cool. So make sure uh, and where can they subscribe to that podcast? Yes, if you go to the Geek Ultimate Alliance podcast network, we are there. Our episodes come out every other Thursday. Uh, there is a ton of uh, episodes uh, already there. As far as you know, the Geek Ultimate Alliance, we only had our first episode last week. But uh, if you're a fan of Star Wars, if you're a fan of DC, if you're a fan of Marvel, if you're a fan of movies in general because they have slice of film, if you're... Uh, just an overall fan of like animated TV shows. Uh, they do reviews on that uh, with superhero discussions. There is a lot of content there. And then of course, uh, comic books in general, there is a uh, uh, series on that called the world's finest true believers uh, host. Chris Balga talks to uh, random guests every single week talking about books. I was just on there last week talking about skyward volume one. Okay. Uh, yeah, love that I book saw, i saw i saw your post and i and yeah had I, a I, had a lovely had a lovely uh conversation with joe henderson uh before we did that podcast and then he even commented afterward uh and even uh lee garbay said that he would uh, love to be on the show talking about their new series once it comes out so very very cool okay so it's not garbage awesome uh, I I don't know. I say garbage oh. just because just because I feel like the two T's could at the end of a word could be uh, Clay. You're... I, I I would have I to don't ask know him anything. About. <laughs> I don't know anything? Oh god. Anyways, yeah, this was uh, yeah, good week. It was weird, but we read good books. Yes, and yes. Reading... and and that was one thing that even because if you listen to Weird Science this week, uh, Marvel, uh, me and Jim make fun of how uh how nice you are and about how because he said that he has attempted so many times to get you all riled up in conversations on twitter and you'll come back with him with a well i understand your opinion but i really like this or i don't like this and it's just always very you're very humble towards everybody on twitter i mean i, I try to be just because <laughs> There's no humanity left. But honestly, I think that if I met, if I spoke with Jim, maybe more and more, I mean, like, kind of like how we are, like, I think it would be easier. But I, I try to be very careful when I write, just because no one knows what your tone is. Yeah. So everyone, sure. like, and Jim example, is always just yelling. I love you, Jim. Yesterday, I was messing with like Kevin, and we're just talking like sports or something. And I didn't choose one of his players from the Vikings. And then uh -huh. we put like a, a a picture of like Tom Brady no longer with the Patriots. So I put like a WWE post of like a low blow. 
and then I put a picture of like the Vikings of like a player yelling at his quarterback, and then it became, "Hey man, they might suck, but I love them." And then I responded <laughs> with like the, I don't know if you've seen like the the Alec Baldwin, the they're there, and he's like a girl's like crying, but he's like petting. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it's something like that. I'm like, dude, did he get mad? I'm not gonna respond and like ask, "Are you mad at me?" Because I, I don't feel like I should do that. But I just like that's just the that's just where we are where I just feel like you can't text. And so yeah. I feel like if I spoke with Jim, I feel like we can go with a lot more back and forths. And I and you know what, Jim, I would love to do it. Uh yeah, it's just with tweeting I or texting, I I'm always I'm I'm always careful. Uh you know, I I I kind of go by that motto of the uh I think they say like at church all the time, which is like pray before you post. But I think they not necessarily pray and then post. I think it's more like just think about whatever you're posting. If it's like if it's worth tweeting out or posting, it's one of those things. I I'm just try just try to be. But I mean, now, Jim, if you want to talk sports, then I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, then we can go full blown. I mean, your Eagles be my patriots. So I already have a hatred towards you. Uh, so I mean we can go sports and that's when I, I feel like in sports you're allowed to be irrational because of how how little you get it so yeah, yeah we want to do sports man if you want to do weird science sports podcast I will destroy you <laughs> love you buddy <laughs> anyways I will destroy you I love you, I love you. <laughs> yeah. alright but uh, with that, guys, we are going to call it a day. Um, I'm going to go sleep for like three days since I haven't been sleeping very well with this week. But, uh, of course, you can find us on the uh, comic book. Oh, my gosh. The Nerdy Legion podcast network. Uh, you can find us at the uh, comic book Le- Legion Twitter account. Of course, we're always there. You can ask us any questions. We'll answer. And, uh, yeah, Mark, where can they find you? You can find me at Mark Reads Comics. I'll probably – I know yesterday I added some – I did some, like, sports stuff on Twitter. But I think I think it's it's kind of, like, safe to go back and not have to be filled with all this stuff going on. So I'm just going to – like, because now you'll have people that are happy and then, yeah, there's still some sour grapes, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go back there, just not DM-wise, and, you know, go from there. Yeah, so Mark Reads Comics – and yeah, so while Clay is sleeping, I'm gonna have to go now before I sell my PS4. I have PlayStation Store gift certificate, so I can buy games that I want since I have the digital PS5. I need to make sure. Oh yeah. I need to make sure that I have my library stocked up with nice. games that I really want. So, with that being said, we'll talk. Yeah, we're gonna. We'll, we'll talk to you guys later. I still need to plug everything that I'm in. But honestly, you can just go to my Twitter account and click on... Oh, you did that on, already? Sorry. No. You can you can click on the link tree and find that uh, where all of... All five of my podcasts are. And you can uh, look on my Instagram and my TikTok. But with that, guys, we're going to call it a day. And we will see you guys next week. No, see you guys later. None of this weird science. Marvel. Those guys. <laughs> All right, see you later.